Well, happy Independence Day to everyone again. And, uh, you know, we celebrate the 4th of July. It's a celebration of liberty, right? We're looking back to in our nation's history and, um, you know, celebrating the day that we became an independent nation. And But, you know, we can look back through history and we see so many examples um, of people who get into power and they get affected by it and, Right, the power goes to their head, as you say, and um, but it's to the detriment of those under, under them. Um, and so, our founding fathers wrote some essential documents, right, like the uh, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights to protect our liberties. Um, but you know, I think there's an application to that in in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual life. Because Christ came to give us liberty, right? To give us life and to lift us up. And, and I wanted to just look at that thought with you from Peter as we're kind of continuing in our, in our study of looking at some truths from Peter. And in 1 Peter 5, he's talking to spiritual leaders um, and what they are to do and not to do. And then he talks to, uh, to regular folks. And he says this in 1 Peter 5, in verse 2. He says, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain. It's not really nice when a leader is doing that, right? Not as being lords over those who are entrusted uh, to you, but by being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And so we have a picture of a leader here, right? And this could apply to the, the, you know, the secular or the, the spiritual, but really it, you know, what God's talking about is the, is the shepherd, you know, the spiritual leader. But yet still we have a picture here. Here's, you know, of someone who is leading for dishonest gain, worldly increase. And, and you know, the admonition is don't, don't follow that way. Don't uh, lord over others, meaning you know power going to someone's head, and think they're more of you know than who's who there is under them. You know, but when godly leaders follow Christ's example as the good shepherd, it says they can expect something. They can expect a crown that does not fade away. Right? And so there's Peter talking to to leaders, but then he addresses the whole congregation, everyone, right? And this is what we really want to focus on because in one sense or another, we're all under authority, right? We're all under the leadership of something, whether it's a natural or government or, you know, when we're young, it's family um, or spiritual leadership. And so Peter is talking about how we should conduct ourselves towards all people, towards leadership, but towards each other as well. And, and, he gives us an outcome of what will happen if we do conduct ourselves in this right way. He shows us how we can be lifted up in Christ and have true liberty in him. And so let's read these, these verses. 1 Peter 5 and verse 5, it says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. All of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, 
that he may lift you up. Now, first I want to look at at what Peter is saying to all of us. And he says this, he says, all of you be subject one to another. All of you be subject one to another. Now, before we can really begin, we have to understand what's he saying to us? Be subject one to another. What does that mean? Right? I mean, does that mean that we have to do every everything someone else asks us to do? Right? Is that the kind of subject? You know, if you're in church and someone walks up to you and says, Give me the keys to your car, I'm gonna take it for a test drive. Right? You know? Do we have to follow Peter's admonition? You submit one to another, hand your keys over. Right? Well, I think that we realize that's not what Peter means, is you know, just hand over and be un- you have to do whatever people say. Um, but I think we can understand from scripture the true meaning of that. And in fact, Paul explains it this way in Philippians 2 and verse 2. He says, fulfill my joy. This was the Apostle Paul's joy. That you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other as better than themselves. That's really what Peter means and what Paul is explaining. In effect, he's saying the same thing, that in our relationships and in how we relate to one another, that we yield to one another by, by treating the other as more important, as better than ourselves, right? We're not to, to seek the one who became greater, as Peter said, Lord over each other, but instead in loneliness of mind, esteem the other as better than themselves. Basically, it just means we put others first. A lot would change in our country if that took place, right? If people started putting the needs of others first before their own and their own ideas and so forth. But it's as Christ said in Luke 6 and verse 31, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that really is the key of what Peter and Paul and now Jesus is bringing out of how we relate to one another, how we submit to one another. We submit to each other by loving one another. And so the first step to being exalted and lifting up in God and and knowing that true liberty is doing to others as we would have them do unto us. The second part is laid out for us here back in, in 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. Because how do we really come to that place of loving each other and putting each other first? You know, Peter and Paul bring this out, right? Paul, we just read that, but in lowliness of mind, esteem one another better as as ourselves. We're back in 1 Peter 5 and verse 5. It says, Peter says, be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, meaning he fights against the proud, You definitely don't want to be in that position, right? (laughs) The one who God is resisting or fighting against. That's so terrible. I mean, sometimes we find ourselves in that position. We're in that position whenever we're doing something that is contrary to what God wants us to do. We're, We're in that place where we're resisting God, and that means, well, he'll resist us. But instead, be clothed with humility because God resists the proud, but he gives grace. He gives divine ability to those who humble themselves. And it's interesting, this phrase, be clothed 
with humility. It's the only place in Scripture that has this phrase. And it literally, it refers to the garment that a servant would wear. And that's kind of hard for us to relate to because everyone just goes to the store and gets clothes. But back in the day, there was no TJ Maxx or Marshalls or Target or anything like that or the mall, right? I mean, they're, they had to either make their own clothes or buy their own clothes. And clothes were a symbol for this, the social class you were in. So if you were of a certain social class, you dressed in a certain way, usually because you could afford to. But if you were a servant, they basically all wore kind of the same outfit of one who was a servant. And, and so their garment would clearly tell someone they are, oh, they're a servant. They're a slave of so-and-so, and that's their master. And this phrase is literally, put on the garment of a servant. Put on the garment of humility. And that's how we are to walk. You know, it's almost like Jesus is saying, well, you know, I've given you gifts and talents and, and position and wisdom and so forth, but that's not what people are to see. What are, they, what are they to see? The garment of a servant. That's what is to be apparent. And the first thing people see about our lives. That's counterintuitive though, isn't it? Because you would think that in order to be lifted up and to become great, to have true liberty, um, we wouldn't have to go low. But that's how it is in the kingdom of God. Right, to to follow the way of Christ. But in, in, a, in essence, that's what exactly what he did, didn't he? Because Christ went this way. It says he put off the garments of heaven, right, of his glory and power, at least on the outward. He was still God. But yet he became the least on this earth and was born in a way that exemplified that, right, being born in a in an animal's trough as the king of kings. He became the least for us, and he became the servant of all, as it says. And so that was the way of Christ. And just to make sure we understood that and we got that lesson, the very last kind of example he did for his, his disciples was he took off the garment of the rabbi, of the teacher, Right. I mean, in our fellowship, that's the garment we like to wear, you know, go and make disciples and teach all nations. Right. That's the Great Commission. But Jesus says, yeah, but I took that off and I put on the garment of a servant. And so Jesus took off the garment of the rabbi and it says he wrapped himself in a towel. And and what that actually was, was that was the act of the lowest servant of a household. Right. We talked about servants and slaves. Well, even they had a class. Uh, probably the steward of the house would be the highest level of a servant. You know what the lowest one was, right? The guy who washed the stinky feet of everyone else. There, you know, of course, no one had uh, indoor plumbing or, well, only the very rich. I actually saw that in Jerusalem. The, the ultra rich had a bath in their house, but not everyone. All right. And so not many people had shower. Well, no one had a shower. Right? Only a few had baths and everyone had stinky feet. And so this, the lowest servant, that was his job. He would wrap himself in a towel and pick, get down on his knees and pick their foot up 
and dip it in water and wipe it with the towel and wash their feet. And Jesus went around to all of his disciples and did that. He washed their feet. Even the feet of his enemy, Judas. But Jesus said, he even said to his disciples, do you know what I've done? If I'm the greatest among you and I've done this, then you follow my example. That's clothing ourselves with humility. Now, I, I want to take a moment too and, and give a definition for, of humility right? so that we understand what, what, the, what do the scriptures really mean? What does it mean to put on that garment? Basically, humility could be described as this, or defined as this, a holy attitude of dependence upon God and others, a modest opinion of oneself. Right? Sometimes we can, that cannot be the case, right? Our opinion of ourselves can be less than modest, maybe compared to other people. A willingness to take the lower place. Now, I include the word holy, a holy attitude of dependence, because that's really the key. Humility is something that not something that we can produce, right? We can we can do the actions of it, but the true humility in our heart is divine. Right? Someone can act humble, but it's that divine humility that we need within us that makes the difference in God's sight. It's something He wants to put within us. Now we can understand this from the Old Testament from the, that holy anointing oil that was used in the tabernacle. Right? No one could try and replicate that. Right? If, if someone tried to put up, mix up the ingredients to that, so they'd be put to death. Or was it put to death or put out of the congregation? One of the two, both bad propositions. But it, it talks about the ingredients of the holy oil in Exodus 30. In Exodus 30, 23, it says, Take the three principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, cinnamon, half as much, 250 shekels, of calamus, 250 shekels, of cassia, 500 shekels. And so part of having, and this was the holy anointing oil that was used on the altar. And one of the ones we're looking at, or the one we're concerned about today anyway, is cassia, representing humility. Um, now this ingredient was derived from the bark of a plant. It was peeled off, then it was kind of crushed into powder, and uh, it was used as a, to make the oil. And the word cassia comes from a, a Hebrew word, root meaning to contract or bend the body in deference, to bow down the head, to stoop. And so that thought of cassia is that thought of bowing down. And, and that's really the essence of humility. It's to be in that continual state of heart and mind where we are bowed down to the will of God, to the, to the mind of Christ, submitting to his will and his desires. Right? And so it's, it's allowing God to bring us low and to use us to lift others up. You know, someone uh, had a vision when the Lord was kind of instructing them on this subject, and God gave them a vision, and it showed them a picture of the ball, and it's something we can all picture playing in the pool when we were kids, right? As you take a ball, 
and you try and push it as far underwater as you could. Maybe you didn't, but I did. I, I thought it was fun. I could never quite get it to touch the bottom of the pool, but you know, you get it down as far as you can, then you let it go and it shoots up into the air and you, you can do that for a long time. But you know, the Lord was speaking to them, the farther down that ball goes, the higher up it shoots in the air. And that's what he's showing us in his kingdom. The lower we go, of course, Christ went the lowest. And so he has gone the highest, but as we follow in his pathway, he, he brings us low in our experiences, in our perspective, right? He takes us, he adjusts our perspective. He's really good at that. And as we allow him to do that, he puts these beautiful qualities in us. You know, one of the Psalms talks about the qualities of Christ and, and it kind of shows a picture of what heaven thinks of the, of a person who these, has developed these qualities in their life. Psalm 45 and verse eight, it says, all thy garments smell of myrrh and aloe and cassia. And it's just the thought like, oh, a beautiful aroma is coming from your garments. You know that, and that, of course, that's a picture of the Lord. His garments were permeated with the beautiful qualities of his spirit. And God wants our garments, our heavenly garments, our spiritual garments to be permeated with humility. At least that's what he's telling us from Peter, because that's the key to being lifted up. Now, I, I mentioned that it's a divine attribute. It's only something God can produce in us because it's a heavenly quality. We need that, that you could say that divine seed to be put within us. But yet there's also the aspect that we play a part in it as well, right? Because there's an outward, a natural aspect where we have to walk in humility. Because ultimately, humility is a choice, isn't it? And sometimes it's a hard choice to humble ourselves. And we know that it's something that needs to take place. It's a transformation in how we act and how we relate to people. Sometimes when we need to change, we can come to God and say, Lord, here I am. Change me whenever you're ready. But there's other times that we have to take that step of obedience. And Jesus shared this in Matthew 18 and verse 4. He didn't say, whoever, you know, whoever I touch with humility, it says, whoever shall humble himself as a little child, the same is great in the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't say, Whoever I come in touch with humility will be great. It says, whoever humbles himself will be great. And so there's that aspect. We are to humble ourselves as a little child before God. And it's kind of hard to describe how a child does this. Well, a good child, right? Obedient child. <laughs> but it's just a part of who they are, a part of their character, that they submit to mom and dad. They, they realize that there's no power in my life to do my own thing. Well, again, a picture of a good child, an obedient child. But that's how God desires that we relate to him in humility. In another place, Paul shares how this mindset can come upon us of humility. He says this in Colossians 3 and verse 12. He says, put on, therefore, 
as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind. Put on humility of mind and many other qualities. You know, and so there's, here's a list of, that Paul's sharing of these heavenly qualities. And he's saying, saints, put these upon you. And we recognize they're heavenly qualities, so you can't just make it up and say, today I'm going to be humble. Today I'm going to be meek. Right? It's something that we, we look to God for. Lord, I need your humility. Lord, I need your kindness to people who are not being kind or meekness or mercy or so forth. Lord, I need your humility. And so for us to be lifted up in his kingdom and experience that true liberty, each day, really, we have, Lord, I need your humility and to walk in your way. Help me. And as we put that on, or you could say we put on the mind of Christ. We looked at that last week. And so humility is described as something we put on. And, you know, we've already looked at that thought of a garment where Jesus, or where Peter said, clothe yourself with humility. And, you know, that picture of a garment can kind of help us out for how that change takes place in our lives. And, you know, we can all picture the garment that they would wear in the olden days. I, I think that you could say the closest thing would be like a really long t-shirt, right? You have to put a t-shirt on. It starts with your head, right? The only way for humility to go is, is it starts by putting it into our mind and thinking on it and meditating upon the truth of, of what God is saying to us. It also goes over the mouth. Maybe that, I don't know if that's harder than the mind or not. Probably because that's how we, sometimes we have to bite our tongue and you know, you know, one way we can gauge our level of humility, how much do we talk about ourselves versus how much do we build others up and talk about them? You know, in reality, humility cares about others and wants to build them up, to strengthen them, to encourage them, to edify, as the New Testament says, edify one another, build each other up. So it goes over the head the mouth, then it goes down to the heart. Right? The more we meditate on humility and purpose to speak according to that, the next step is to respond in our heart. Right? In situations, and sometimes the Lord can challenge us. You know, Jesus was the lamb that he, he didn't open his mouth and he didn't respond. He didn't fight back with like, like kind, like reactions. You know, God wants to develop to develop in us a heart that responds in humility. And then it keeps going down, you know, the stomach, the loins, um, getting speaks of getting into our inner life, our character, and then down to the, well, it depends on how, I don't know how long their garments were. If they went down b- below the knees or at the knees or what, but it speaks of going down to the legs, how we walk. That, you know, it affects our minds, our heart, our inner being, and then that will absolutely affect our life, our walk, that we will begin to walk in that way as we put it upon us every day. You know, humility is so important because it is the solution that we need for today. It's the solution we need for our society. It's the solution we need for unity, for peace, There's so many that are lifting themselves up and promoting 
their own way. Everyone doing what's right in their own sight brings a lot of destruction. You know, the way of pride or the way of the world, they say you have to fight for what you deserve or things like that. And so what does that mean? There's a lot of fighting out there. But the way to true liberty and being lifted up and all of those good things we can say of unity and of peace is through putting on the garment of humility, of serving others, of washing them, caring for them, praying for them, because that's the way of Christ. He wore that garment while he was upon earth and he was lifted up to his heavenly father. And that's the way he desires us to follow or to walk in that way. I want to close with one, one more verse here in Isaiah 57 and verse 15. It says, For thus says the high and the lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. And that's, our, that's the God we serve. And I'm glad he is, he is in heaven. He's holy. He's pure. He's righteous. But then look at what it says. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Well, Lord, you're in heaven. And when I get to heaven, it says, you dwell with those who are of a contrite and humble spirit. Lord, I need, I need more humility. Lord, I need that in my life. And it says, even, it even says to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Do we need some reviving in this, in this day? I think we do. The Lord's eyes are upon a certain group of people. His heart desires to dwell with them. And it's those who are of a contrite, of a humble spirit. And God says, I'm coming to revive that spirit. We need revival, don't we? We need a revival of the Spirit of God within us. Well, Isaiah is telling us those who revives are those who have put on that garment of, a, of humility, that garment of a servant. And so as we're celebrating our Independence Day, right, that's something we hold on to in the natural, but yet in the Spirit, we want the true liberty that comes with following Christ. Right? We want to be lifted up in the kingdom of God because that will last for eternity. I don't know how last how long, you know, our nation, natural nation will last. Nations come and go. Right? At some point, we know God is going to establish his kingdom upon earth and I don't I don't know if it'll still be called the United States of America or not because his kingdom will come. And you know, but we know everything in the natural is going to pass away. But what remains is what we've obtained in Christ. His liberty, the lifting up that comes from following him, but it comes by walking in the way of Christ who became the least and the servant of all. And as he, we walk in his way and put his garment upon us, he will lift us up. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to earth and that you put off, Lord, your high and lofty garments and you put upon yourself the garment of the lowly one, the son of man who came to be a servant to all. And we just thank you for that, Lord. We're so grateful for that. And Lord, we recognize you're calling us to be disciples, 
to walk as our master and to to follow your example. And Lord, we just cry out to you. Lord, we present our hearts to you. We cry out to you that you would lead us in this way of humility. Lord, would you just even teach us how we can put that garment upon us day by day. Lord, cover our minds, cover our mouths and our hearts and and our loins, Lord, and our legs with this garment in a fresh way. Help us to walk in your way. Lord, help us to love others and to esteem them better than ourselves. Lord, that we can be like you and walk in your way, we ask. Oh, lift us up. Let not pride be found in our midst, but oh God, teach us to walk in your way of humility, we pray, and we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.